start to put tension on my string drawback, I was like, okay, I'm gonna it. It's him. You can look at the horns when he's dead. I'm, I'm in, you know, in the zone. Let the arrow go is perfect. Uh, when they lose their front shoulders, yeah, you start, yeah, that's how you know. You're listening to the White Cat Outdoors podcast, bringing you to the table where we talk about the outdoors. What's up, everybody? I'm going to pass it over to Nick and Tom for the intro because I got to go fix me and Tom a couple drinks. So, <clears throat> good you evening. Guys. Welcome White to Hunt. episode 91 of the White Could you Cat guys Outdoors just both talk the whole time? Podcast. <laughs> I'm your host tonight, Tom. Bringing me in is Frank. He was already on. And my good brother, Nick. Hey, how's it going? We both tried to start the intro. Yeah, I do a better job at it. But anyway, tonight we're going to talk about. The mic. We're going to talk about early archery season setups and tactics. And I know what you're thinking, Tom. How are you going to talk about early archery season setups and tactics if you didn't tell us about your new gear last week because you weren't on the show? Well, I'm going to start out this week by telling you some new gear that I got that I am super proud of, super happy with, and then we're going to get into the early season stuff. So... I got new broadheads this year. Always been a big rage guy. Swear by him up and down. What do they say? It's like throwing a axe through the animal or something. I yeah, I heard somebody say that one time, but I don't know if that, that's not an official rage. No, but that's literally what it's like. And um, they just you get great blood trails. Big big fan. But one thing I hated about them was the collars. They'd always dry rot and crack and wouldn't even like sometimes i would have trouble in my quiver with them i'm back by the way uh when i would like stick it into my quiver because they're foam they would kind of like push them back and it would like roll the collar over and they wouldn't like snap back in right anymore yeah, old rages were like a rubber band basically for the collar yeah exactly yeah and then they went to the new collar technology and now this year i'm shooting rage 125 grain hypodermic ncs and the nc stands for no collar and I, I don't know how they do it just some great engineering but the blades just snap right into place and it it's great there's no rubber to dry rot and because i don't know i've spent a lot of time in my stand playing with my blades making sure they were just so snug up against that collar and i don't have to worry about that anymore shot it through a broadhead target a bunch of times last night and boy, do they hold up good, um, getting clean pass-throughs right through the target, which is kind of a pain in the ass because it kind of screws up your fletchings. But what are you going to do? So you're going like full penetration out the other side of a block target? Yeah. Oof. That is, that's gnarly. Yeah. So they're, they're really no joke. Um, but the blades hold up perfect. They snap right back into place. They're no dents or bends or anything so i'm i'm super impressed i'm excited to see what they do to a deer yeah i'm definitely excited to see how that goes too because like i haven't shot rages in a long time and they've definitely come a long way since when i used to shoot them 
Yeah, for sure. They always leave a heck of a blood trail, though. Yeah, they they cut a hole. As long as you make a clean hit, yeah, it's it's nasty. Yeah. How long are you going to stir that, Tom? Until it's good and mixed, Frank. Until it's good and mixed. <laughs> but anyway, so that's my new gear on the year. It was a good rhyme. Unintentional. But now we're going to get into, as I mentioned, early season setups and tactics, tricks, whatnot. Because, as you all know, right around the corner. We've so got T-minus two and a half weeks. Like this episode and one more. And we're if we play it. our cards right, we might even... If we get opening weekend, we might have to do an emergency deer camp series. Saturday Just, night. Yeah. That'd be wild. Or Friday night when I go to New York. Yeah, me and you will definitely get it done Friday Tom night. Tom says he's getting up there. Oh. I was there last year. I don't know. Drew back on a dough, actually. Big old meat dough. Mm. She busted me. <sighs> Bitches. Yeah. <clears throat> so, Tom, while you're, you know, you've got the ball in your court... Run us through, you know, you're talking, you're going to meet us up in New York. It's early season, you know, first night. What's your dream setup and how are you going to do it? My dream setup, okay, we have this stand called Jack and the Magic Beanstalk. And we call it that because it's over a magical bean field where <laughs> the beans just don't seem to grow. Actually, that's kind of not true. They They grow really well until they get about four or five inches tall and then the deer just mow them right down i don't know besides putting a fence up i don't know what we could do so if you have any ideas of how you can prevent deer from devastating your bean food plot that would be great because i mean it's not huge it's i would say it's less than half an acre mm -hmm. that we're trying to plant with beans but every year starts coming in really nice and then it looks like someone drove over it with a brush hog. I mean, the deer just chew it right down to the dirt and kind of a pain in the ass. But that's anyway, so it's Magic Bean Field, Jack and the Magic Beanstalk. Well, we planted beans there again this year. The same thing happened. So I decided, you know what? We already have a nice stand here. Might as well put something out there. So I, you know, sprayed and rototilled a little section right in front of the tree stand maybe i don't know nick what would you say 30 yards by 40 yards yeah probably about. pretty accurate not, not a huge food plot but nice a nice food plot mm -hmm. if you will and in there i planted i underseeded it with clover and then i planted a uh, winter mix which has turnips brassica i think beets, uh, beets, beets. and some brassica That's, you said I brassica said already yeah well there's brassica dive dodge dip duck and dodge so anyway opening opening night actually like the first week or so i'm i'm all about food i'm all about food all the time. most of the time because deer have to eat but especially early archery season my reasoning for being on food changes throughout the year like early <laughs> archery season they're on their food patterns and so i mean you can catch them right you know, last hour, you know, coming out of their bedding, getting a quick bite to eat. Um, and another thing that helps is we put conceal up, which I was kind of skeptical on how this stuff was going to work. And it it grew probably, what, six, seven feet tall? Yeah, it's taller. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can't see our food plot from the road. And I think that's a big thing. Yeah, it, that stuff really took off nice. If you can 
put your food plot, you know, tucked back in the woods or in the field, put some conceal around it or, you know, in a spot on your field where the terrain blocks it from the road. That is a huge benefit because I think, and I, I've seen this personally where you drive down the road and you see a buck out in the field and stop and look at it. That buck puts his head down and runs away. Mm-hmm. So if you can be on a food source that the deer feels safe, feels secluded, doesn't feel pressured, you're a lot more likely to see them out during daylight hours. Mm-hmm. So back to what I was rambling on about. <laughs> Early season, deer is still on their food to bedding patterns. Um, so we don't actually have a camera on this specific food mm-hmm. plot, but if all goes well, if the wind's right, that's where I'm going to be. Nice. Good deal. So I, when I'm looking for early season setups, I'm also very self-aware, I guess, of food. Um, but I look at it a little bit different. I like to be closer to a food source that's closer to their bedding. Um, and that, I mean, I guess Tom's in the same area, but the, uh, if I don't have an actual food plot that we put in, I try to find like a natural food source, like an apple tree or something. Mm -hmm. Um, but this year, uh, for example, I put a nude food plot in that's, it's tucked back in the woods, surrounded by goldenrods and up against a whole hillside of bedding. And the swamps swamps 100 yards away yeah so i'm literally as long as the wind is right i'm sitting on a great food source surrounded by bedding and i think it's going to be a a home run you know Mm. my early season setups i try only because for me personally i the later you go into the season it seems like the later the deer take to get out into like big fields of food sources so i try to i guess beat them to it or end up in a place that they don't have to go as far to the Mm -hmm. field um, I mean, I don't know how many times I've been in a field, saw a buck or even a doe, just a, a deer I wanted to shoot that, you know, the t- clock's ticking, you know, you're, you're constantly checking your phone. You're looking at your, your sights, making sure you can still see them as the deer's, you know, mm. getting closer. So I'm constantly trying to just close that distance a little bit. Now, I don't believe in October 1st, marching into the center of a bedding area and set up. I just, I think that's dumb personally but you do what you want so i try and you know stay on the outside of it hunt a food source that's close to it um speaking of that if like we did we put in a food source if you're going to put in a food source close to bedding you have to take into account your dominant wind direction which in our area we know we get a dominant west wind um and most likely a northern component rarely do we get an east wind um so we set our food plot up to where on a where our stand is, our dominant wind is not blowing into the bedding because there's bedding on three sides of it. Yeah, well, that's just something you got to pay attention to. You know, like if you're, say, wherever you're at, if west is your predominant wind, you don't want food plots that are on the west end of bedding, essentially, because you're going to end up just blowing your scent your right yeah. into the bedding. Just to give like a firm example of that. Yeah. So basically our our food plot is set up, you know, on the Southeast end, essentially of all of the bedding. Yeah. It works out great because one for your entry, you don't, I don't have to, I can get in very quietly and it's almost a bulletproof setup unless yeah, you're walking into the wind the whole time. Yeah. And then unless there's a East wind, I can hunt it basically. So 
just something to consider. Yeah, you don't want to put this great food plot in that you can never hunt because your scent's always blown into the bedding. Mm-hmm. I've got a, a setup in an area that, and it's just a, there's no f- um, food plot or anything um, up at our furthest camp that you need that east wind to hunt. It's just the way it's set up, and I have not been able to hunt it. I wasn't able to go in there at all last year. I know Tom, remember, there was a buck I was on, I guess it would be two seasons ago, um, that I had a really nice, or two encounters with, and I just couldn't seal the deal. Last year, went back up, and I never got that wind to get back in there on it. Like, it, it just the way it works. So, mm-hmm. finding areas that you can hunt to fit your predominant winds, I think, is huge. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, that doesn't go, that's for all season. That's not just early. Yeah. Yeah, that's not just looking at food plots you have to take that into consideration for any stand you set Mm -hmm. up no matter what your overall setup is yeah knowing the property like that's one thing even if you you know frank and i have done some hunting on like public even though you've never been there before looking at overhead maps and trying to guess where bedding Mm -hmm. or like where those bedding areas are the food sources and setting up so you're not blowing those up yeah so there's nothing worse than blowing up a good spot opening week yeah that really listening to a doe just blowing all night long yeah that's the best nothing makes me want to shoot a doe more than a, than a blow well we had this one doe out at the farm last year and i'd never seen anything like it are you talking about that limpier doe that's back this year no that's up at the headquarters this is the one out at dad's farm that will be like upwind and still snort and stomp and smelly i don't understand what it is you could have the wind you know she needs an arrow hitting you directly in the face and she's 60 yards upwind and she'll put her nose up in the air and start snorting i'm like you bitch yeah (laughs) have you thrown any milkweed out just to see what like if you can pick up any sort of currents like it's definitely like it's not swirling around 180 from where that deer all right yeah because i mean like well like wind direction i mean you know i'm not saying this is you don't know this but like you know sometimes the way that that food plot set up is it's like at the bottom of a field and then almost at the corner of timber so sometimes your your scent can do some funny things down yeah it'll swirl a little bit as the wind comes into the tree yeah but if you're throwing milkweed and it's going the other way because i've encountered this doe multiple times yeah and she's picked me out in the hardwoods in the food okay so you're not even talking just a single no i've had three i had three encounters with her last year and she's a big old mature doe probably one of the bigger does i've ever seen and yeah she's got a sniffer on her (laughs) on the hit list this year get her done yeah it's a pain in the ass i don't know how you could do it you think you got to do it in rifle season or just get lucky yeah catch her when she's got a cold maybe she's got covid yeah Yeah. i heard something about deer getting i did i was just gonna say i heard i I didn't read anything or hear it from any sort of legitimate source but well the internet is legitimate well i didn't even see it on the internet some guy at work was like i heard deer get covid i'm like oh okay could you imagine if like deer didn't have scent like they couldn't smell probably be a lot easier to have i mean think about how like well i feel like if it's like you know, if someone's blind, their hearing gets better. Or something. Yeah, but I mean, if like they a, don't a have de- one sense, like, it'll heighten another. A deer one. can't see that well. Like they can see movement very, very well. Yeah. But like their overall vision is not twenty mm-hmm. twenty. Yeah. You know, so I think if you got rid of their scent, I think it would. Yeah, definitely you, be a lot easier. The turkeys, you know, flip. Yeah, but could you imagine if a turkey could smell? That'd be nuts. Yeah. Yeah, you'd never kill one. It'd be tough. <laughs> It'd be I have very a, tough. 
Yeah, so you got to have, I mean, deer really, they, they can hear really well. They can see the movement's the big thing. I don't think yeah. deer aren't going, like, if you're not moving, like, we've said this with camo a lot, like, they're not going to pick you out, you know, unless you're moving. They, they don't might see, see something and they'll look for a second, but if you don't move, they will go right back to what they're doing yeah. and they won't care or look again. Mm -hmm. So there's that. So, Frank, what's your early season setup? Well, uh, up in New York, I'm going to hunt uh, pretty much the same spot I always hunt up there on my little part of the farm. Got apples on one side, swamp on the other, little food plot that Nick just put in. It's a beautiful spot. Excuse me? Nick's idea, oh. Tom implemented. Actually, no, wait. I rototilled it. The first time. Yeah. It, <laughs> it was a group effort is, is yeah. what it's coming up to. Yeah, it was group effort. But it was Nick's original I don't know idea. where he got that idea. Because 100% it was That mine. was not. Like, anyways, besides the point. <laughs> But that's going to be my setup. It's real sweet spot. I've hunted there. Actually, the biggest buck killed on the farm came from that oh, spot. Oh, yeah, rub it in. Yeah, I will every <laughs> chance I get. Putting it to shame this year. Yeah, okay. We'll see. But that's my setup. It's it's pretty much good anytime. Just It's like we were saying before, it's set up with the winds just right. Uh, the tree that it's in doesn't have a ton of cover, but there's a tree out in the food plot that provides cover from the food plot, and then there's... By the time any deer gets within shooting range, they're exiting cover, so they're not going to see me because of what they're in. Mm -hmm. And then by the time they step out, I'll yeah, have the there's plenty shot. of opportunities to get your bow drawn. Yeah, before they're in a spot you can shoot them. So sometimes and you got to take that into consideration. It's not just cover in your tree. It's cover where they're at. Yeah, I mean, and if you think about it, there's not much opportunity. There's no. It's not like we – there's only really one – tree that you can use there yeah so it's so sometimes you got to make it work when you don't have a lot yeah, of if options. that's the tree you got to be in that's where you got to be and make it work yeah so yeah and for pa um i've been going back and forth with myself because every year i hunt like the first week solid i usually hunt this one bean field and every year i see nice bucks but i haven't been able to capitalize on anything just because the field's so big, it's it's really hard to know where they're going to come. And I see bucks come from, you know, the same buck will come from a different place every night. So it's tough to set up on them. So I think what I'm going to do, I've been having a ton of activity back off the field, about 200 yards, a lot of daytime stuff, morning and evening. And I think I'm going to back off the field, go against what I normally do. Are you saying on camera you have this activity? Yes. Okay. Yes. I didn't know if you were scouting and saw this or what no that's all camera activity so i think i'm gonna hunt that i don't have anything set up there yet so i'm gonna i'm gonna go mobile as as always and juice up a spot there i've got a pretty good idea where i want to be with the cameras i put out two more cameras just last week to kind of solidify what i'm thinking i have one camera that's been super active and then i put the two in kind of some directions where I think the deer are coming from to get to that area and where they're leaving to go to like to the field away from that area so I can kind of hone in where I want to be on them but I think that spot's going to be a slam dunk I've had several nice bucks on it nothing crazy but several nice ones that I would shoot and uh I, I think it's it's really going to pan out if not the first day definitely first week and if not the first week definitely at some point. <laughs> have just, you been able to 
put a pattern together on any of these bucks? Like, have you taken the time to look out the pictures and see, like, what the temperature is or what the wind direction is when you're seeing them? No, I haven't really. I've looked, but I haven't noticed any sort of pattern because I've had multiple sightings of, like, there's four bucks that are nice bucks that I would shoot that come to this spot pretty much all hours. I've had them in the middle of the night. I've had them in the morning. I've had them in the evening. I've had them in the middle of the day. And I haven't really noticed any specific thing that pushed them one way or another. And that's kind of why I wanted to put the cameras around that area to see what they're doing away from there. And maybe that'll tip me off a little bit on some sort of pattern that they have. But as far as what I've seen just on that spot, I haven't noticed a temperature or a weather thing that gets them there or doesn't it's kind of most days is there a shooter buck during daylight hours yes. yeah that's nice no, at right. least every i don't think there was a span of three days where there wasn't a shooter buck on that camera so that's pretty nice. good odds yeah. yeah so hopefully they keep on keeping on this is like the crucial time because like now's when them big bucks like yeah. Start going nocturnal. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do. Yeah. Once in a while, you'll still keep them in the bachelor groups for the first few days or week of archery. And I'm I, hoping that's yeah, where we're at. First days is basically like I had my buck up. My grab was like, I killed it. Like opening day happened to be the 28th of September mm-hmm. and got it done with. He was in a bachelor group. There was two bucks yeah. or three bucks. Sorry. Um, yeah. And the, the nicest buck that I have on camera. Actually, I shouldn't say the nicest. The nicest one I've had on this camera um has been running with two other shooter bucks and they're not always together sometimes i'll get uh the other two bucks without him but a lot of the times i get all three of them together so sometimes they split up and come back together and are they all hard horned now have you checked yeah they're all hard horned yep i've had all of them hard horned and you made me nervous when you watched a deer get you didn't watch it but you saw a deer get hit uh right there by that property it was probably a mile but close enough uh, to where yeah, it could have been a deer that frequents the property yeah, yeah miles not very far have you mm-hmm. gotten the buck we were worried about it being on camera sense the biggest one i've had i have not had Ugh. but i i only had that one twice a, like before that like quite a bit before tom saw that deer get hit and i didn't have them since okay on any camera and it wasn't on that spot it was what makes me nervous is that it the, it's a pretty it's big closer. chunk of property and it's on the side of the property where Tom saw that deer get hit. So, but I, I, I mean, it's tough to say it's, you never know. I feel better saying it's still out there. Yeah. That's what I'm, I'm keeping it with. I remember, but there are other shooter bucks that are getting me excited. So it's not like it's a, it's a, it, it's a shit feeling. I remember is. a couple of years ago we had that really big eight, uh, we were after and we were putting a game plan together with my grandpa about how we were going to get this deer down. It'd been two seasons we've been after this thing and you know, it just, it was tough. And basically yeah. we we're putting a game plan together and then I get the picture of it dead mm-hmm. um, guy up the road or across the street, basically. Well, I guess uh, in the same block, if, yeah. I, if, if you will, yeah. uh, got the buck and I mean, kind of a tragic ending, but at the same time, very happy ending, about the yeah. guy that got it. So mm-hmm. happy for him. So, so. I actually don't want to, won't give out too much info, but I worked with this guy 
you know, this last year mm-hmm. um, for a little while and got to see exactly where that deer was living and how he killed it. So it was a cool. That's definitely good like, info for future. Yeah, because... sealing, like putting, you know, so we had two years of pictures seeing this deer, you know, daytime and night trying to figure out, you know, trying to pattern this deer and putting the final, you know, he shot him from where he was bedded and it, like it was just putting that final piece to that story was I, I was able to wrap a lot of things up mm-hmm. and remarkable how far this deer was traveling. Yeah. Um, even every though, day. Yeah. Even that it was in the same block, seeing where that deer was bedded and knowing where we were getting him on camera. And that's not an easy block to get through. It's no. not, you know, there's some pretty good ravines through that block. So he didn't have a nice easy walk across a bean field to cover a mile. Yeah. I mean, and just to have pictures 15 minutes after sunset on our piece, now knowing where he was bedded, mm-hmm. he was, I mean, moving through a lot of daylight. Yeah. So it was, it, like I said, it was, he I was a very a killable buck. If you're, yeah, if you had access to the where right he was pieces, traveling. Yeah. Yep. So just, I mean, it was neat to put those final pieces together. Um, so I guess the reason I'm saying that is if you're after a deer and, you know, the neighbor kills it, if you're will or if they're willing to give out info on how it was done, you can learn a lot for future bucks. Yeah. Cause we've said it a hundred times on here that nine times out of 10, when the biggest buck gets killed, the next big buck is going to move into his pattern Yeah, and they'll run the same there's area. A, there's so a reason if you he get got that big yeah. and it's because, you know, his plan was near bulletproof. Yeah. So if you can put that piece of the puzzle together and say, okay, that's where he was. So odds are there's going to be some other nice bucks trying to move this same pattern roughly. And then you can close that gap. Like you said, you put the puzzle together and said, okay, he's moving through a lot of daylight to get from point A to point B. Yeah. Where can I set up? You know, know? yeah, because we were, I mean, actually on the other side of the road, he's getting, so we have, we had access to certain areas where he could have had him in daylight. So, Mm -hmm. Like I said, for future reference, now knowing that part of the puzzle, and it actually took me over a year to get that information, but you know, I've still good information. You gotta log it and keep hold of it. So that's, I guess, another little tips and tricks. Yeah, is don't 100% just hate when you don't get your target buck or somebody else does it. Try to learn from it if you can because it puts the pieces together. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Sometimes it's just dumb luck, but even if it's dumb luck, it happened for a reason there. And Mm -hmm. if the person paid any amount of attention to what went down, you can learn a lot from it. Yeah. We, the one piece that I hunt a lot, we never find sheds on the piece and the neighboring property. The guy finds every big buck that we have, he finds their sheds on his property and he doesn't have near the property that we do, but they, for some reason, that's where they go to shed their antlers and for late season purposes i'm sure they're over there in that time frame when they still have their horns during season so you can kind of move around the property and make your plan based on what your neighbor is seeing and like you see even if you get it a year or two later it's still going to hold it's relevant it's relevant information unless and i think that piece might change because i said before it got logged yeah really i was heavily. just about to say unless drastic changes are made to the property yeah you're Travel corridors, you know, where deer winter and summer is going to be the same unless some crazy changes happen. Yeah, like Uh, happened on that property. So I definitely anticipate a lot of changes for that, but we shall see. Yeah, I mean, it's it's important to know where your deer are going in the wintertime, especially if you do hunt up through Mm -hmm. January, Yeah, where they're going to be. And 
even just putting that piece together like just because you're not getting pictures of them you know in october like even like i guess if you're on the reverse side yeah you might not ever get pictures of deer in october but you know your piece for whatever reason is where they come late season yeah you know to you know maybe not hunt your piece so hard until late season hits mm-hmm. so yeah definitely pays to talk to your neighbors and not be an asshole <laughs> yeah that's i 100 percent agree with that you got to have a good relationship with the neighbors you know you don't have to give up all your information but i think it's you know we always if there's a buck that we're after you know trail camera pictures once it's dead you know you give it, all the information yeah, yeah it's one of the like nobody in the area knew who knew about this buck yeah. once it was dead we found out yeah we had, had everybody knew about we it. knew about it he knew about it other neighbor knew about it like it just yeah it's the way it works um like same with our trail camera pictures like we mm. we post some stuff you leave some stuff once and, it's dead you post the rest of the yeah. stuff <laughs> yeah you don't want to give out all the pieces and i mean in the chances of somebody knowing exactly where our cameras are very very mm-hmm. small but you know with a little bit of digging somebody might figure it out so you just got to make it a little harder yeah definitely so that's i guess that's for us for early season i am i'm ready to go. i'm, I'm very impatiently i did waiting. break my release the other day but oh yeah talk about that a little bit that's i mean i'm a little irritated it's a great release absolutely we just it. talked about yeah, it we last just, week yeah and yesterday i broke it and it's not like a huge break it, i can still use it but it's still frustrating is it like broken or like broken broken it can be fixed but like you're there's a getting there's this reference. i have no idea what you're talking about it's grown well, ups, I, I grown doubt, ups yeah, too. I doubt yeah when he I breaks his adam sandler breaks his son's leg is it broken or like broken broken or just broken broken it's broke like two pieces yeah um there's a just a set screw that goes in and holds the this one piece on and somehow the screw i shot my bow like i touched off the release and then i went to go retrieve my arrows and when i started walking i had the release in my hand and i felt a piece like hit my finger and I looked down, and the one piece of the release fell off. I'm like, what the hell just happened? And I thought the screw just backed out and it fell out. So I pick it up, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, what the hell? The screw literally snapped inside. So half the screw is in the one piece, half the screw is in the other. I'm like, how does that happen? It's not like I'm torquing on it that much, but I'm upset, so I'm going to have to get a hold of the company and see what they can do for me if not i gotta fix it myself because i'm not buying another one they're kind of expensive so i'm either gonna fix it or get a new one from the company so we'll see what happens with that stay tuned for a later episode on that wild i have not had any this is a shit time to have gear failure yeah definitely especially release yeah well at least i got a couple weeks to figure it out it's not like it happened the day before. Yeah. That always makes me so nervous because I hear of guys that carry spare releases and to me it just seems redundant. But then seeing you break a release, it's like could have happened in field. Yeah, exactly. So I I don't know, maybe carry another release. Maybe. It's a half tip. Half a tip. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I can't I don't I haven't sold myself on it yet, but mm-hmm. I guess you could always just do the old three finger. Yeah. That might change your knocking point a little bit. <laughs> yeah, probably. So I guess we'll wrap it up there, boys. Um, I Season needs to get here ASAP. I'm 
Yeah, I'm, I'm real over it not being archery season. Yeah, we've done all of our prep work. We've put the time in, scouted out some pieces, planted the food plots. <clears throat> we just replanted it, the food plots. Yeah, replanted. Yeah, we are ready to go. So before you tell them to get outside, if you guys at any point during the season, doesn't matter who you are, where you where you're at, any state you want, if you guys are listening and you kill a deer, get a hold of us. We have the deer camp series every week. So I'm hoping, you know, we got this little, we got this community of guys that like to tune in listen. And I, I I know they're all killers. It's just, you don't, you don't listen to the white cat outdoors podcast unless you're just a straight up killer. Exactly. Um, so when you guys do kill, get a hold of us, we're going to get you on an episode and we're just going to keep pumping out deer camp series and until, until the season's over, you know, if that's one a week, two a week, I don't know, whatever, Depends on how well you guys do. Yeah, this is all on your shoulders. So if you want an episode is, every week, you guys got to perform. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I put all the weight on Tom and Frank last year. Yeah, you did. Till the end. It was the grand finale. If you yeah, will. it was. So I guess on that note, like Frank said, get a hold of us when you guys kill. And you guys know what to do. Get outside. 